When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Sift Pop Podcast is recorded in front of a live internet audience. Live from a bunker in the heart of the Ozarks, a podcast that hates going to the beach even when it isn't wartime. It's Sift Pop. That was the most unpleasant beach ever. <laughs> Welcome to Sift Pop, streaming live on Mixler every Friday afternoon or available to download later in your podcast feed. Unless, of course, you're a patron. Patrons get perks! Patrons get those perks. I'm Aaron Dicer from YourMovieFriend.com, joined by Andrew Ormsby from Flick Freaks. Ahoy! We will usually be joined by a pop culture guru to chat about movies, television, and whatever else from the pop culture universe is on our minds. But today, Andrew, it's a duo show. Duo show. I'm glad you have your headphones on, because I thought we'd, we'd do a little bit of, little bit of this. Ooh, what is this? And this is just... Oh, just the two of this, us. It is just us today, man. This, this one goes out to my we friend Andrew. We can make it if we try. Oh, yeah. A little bit of uh, Grover Washington yeah. Jr. with some Bill Walt... Is it Bill Walt? Withers? Bill Withers in here as yeah, well? Yeah, it's Bill Withers. Nice. Ain't no sunshine. I see the crystal raindrops fall and the beauty of it all. Oh, yeah. Just the two of us today, Andrew. Bill Withers is actually one of my favorite musical artists of all time. Really? Yeah. Like what else? What else do you like from him? Ain't no sunshine. Uh, what's What's my favorite Bill Withers song besides Ain't No Sunshine? I mean, lovely he's great. Day, lovely day is a great one. Oh, also, here we, go. Uh, we can make it, Andrew. The two of us. You and There you go. This one's great. Also, everybody has to love Lean on Me. Of but course. I, I of think course. my favorite one is. Uh, no worries. Halfway through the show, I'm just going to shout out the name of it. <laughs> use me. We'll be right in the middle of yeah. Dunkirk review. You'll be like, use me. And I'll be like, yeah. what? Yep. Use me is my favorite Bill Weather song. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. And you'd be like, this is an awkward what thing. What is happening now? Uh, we are going to have a blast today with just the two of us. We are going to, as mentioned, review Dunkirk. We're also going to do a sift sort, which we haven't done in a while. I love sift sorts. They're my favorite segment we do uh, besides the actual reviews. We're doing the Nolan movies, uh, nine of them. We're not doing the, was it following? Because neither of us have seen it. Yeah. Uh, so we'll do the other nine Nolan movies, and we will officially rank those. Of course, we'll have a sift quest in there, some buried treasure. Uh, but first, we'd like to start it off with some Do We Care? Every single week, I scour the internet to find out what is going on in the entertainment world, and I pick three topics for us to discuss, and we must decide whether or not we care about them or not. Except every now and then, we substitute this segment, we care deeply in its place. Yeah, this is a week to do that. There's been some loss this week, three, for sure. Three losses that uh, we're going to be discussing. George Romero, the creator of the... Uh, the zombie franchise as we know it, pretty yeah, much. Yeah, he basically created a genre of movies. Exactly, yeah. It's pretty incredible. Uh, Martin Landau, Oscar-winning actor, brilliant. And then just yesterday, very unfortunate, the lead singer of Linkin Park, Chester Bennington, mm-hmm. took his own life in a tragic 
tragic suicide. Where, where, where do you want to start with this? You want to start with uh, Romero? because He I, was the first of the week. So. I, 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 I will depend on you on this one. I'm not a zombie film guy, so I'm okay. like not a huge Romero you know, knowledge. I don't have a lot of that stuff. I just None know of the that he... Night of the Living Dead. Right. I mean, those. I know that he did those things. Sure. It's just not you know one of my favorite things, yeah. so... It was really upsetting, but then again, he'd been, I think he'd been battling lung cancer for a very long time, and the fact that he wasn't, he was, he's an older, old gentleman. Mm-hmm. I think he was in his 80s or 70s, but uh, it's just sad, you know, because he'd done so much, and like you said, he created a genre of movies. Yeah. So he is one of the best storytellers in that sense, that, you know, he's pioneered stories from so many different, there wouldn't be The Walking Dead, there wouldn't be... Any of the uh, zombie video games, we wouldn't have World War Z, the books, mm-hmm. if it wasn't for George Romero. It's really interesting to think about, isn't it? You know, yeah. just to kind of think of how one person can have that kind of direct, you know, butterfly flapping its wings impact on, you know, an entire industry. Exactly. So, yeah, totally. That, it was really sad. And then uh, a couple hours after that, we lost Martin Landau. Yeah, it was right back to back. I remember watching my Twitter feed, uh, and both of them happened like really close to each other. Now, Landau has been in so much stuff. Um, yeah. I, I immediately go to North by Northwest. Because you love Hitchcock. I, I love Hitchcock movies, and he is so great in that movie. Um, and he's just he's one of those actors that just kept working. And, I, you know, I love that. I love that you can see him in, you know, movies like Rounders, uh, you know, uh, movies like uh, uh, Frankenweenie, you know, plays a voice in that. Uh the Majestic. He was in The Majestic. Do you remember that Jim Carrey movie? The, was the he Majestic? in The Majestic? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So uh, he was in the X-Files movie as well. So yeah, he's been in a, a a lot of stuff even as he continued to age as an actor, which I think is really cool. Yeah. And then just yesterday, ter- terrible, terrible news. We lost Chester Bennington. I love Linkin Park. Or I, I shouldn't say I loved Linkin Park whenever I was younger, like whenever Hybrid Theory came out. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in the end was, like, the biggest song of, like, the couple years everybody loved in the end. And, man, that was just so sad because I I hadn't listened to their music as of late, like, their last couple yeah. albums. And maybe maybe a couple of songs here or there on the radio. But uh, apparently he had some childhood traumas that, you know, led to this. And it's just so sad that he... See, I didn't know about the childhood traumas part. And, again, I depend on you. I'm not a Linkin Park fan. I just mm. It just missed me. Uh, probably growing up in such a conservative home, you know, yeah. I wasn't listening to to uh, anything but Christian music really when I was growing up. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, but I, I heard, you know, I heard suicide. Yeah. And I heard depression was yeah. a big part of it as well. And that's, you know, man, that's just it's so hard. I heard from multiple people on this. Now these aren't sources, but there are multiple people who I saw. So I hope that I'm not misquoting or saying you know falsities here. But I heard it was childhood abuse mm. whenever he was younger and if that's that true, led to that led to depression the, you know, and, exactly. and those kind of things yeah which, sure it, which he had six children that he left behind which is also yeah. it's just so sad it is it is very sad and the thing i continue to see which i i jump right on the train is get help if you can find yeah. a way to get help get help there's no shame in it there's no weakness in it there's you know uh if you are struggling with depression or any kind of mental issue, seek somebody out who can point you in the right direction, get you some help. Um, it's just, you know, there's so many suicide prevention hotlines, so many, you know, different ways that you can go to find somebody to talk to uh, and find a better way. Yeah, because I know um, as soon as this happened, our friends over at CinemaSins, because I know yeah. um, uh, what 
it's not Chris or Jeremy who Barrett Barrett, Barrett was the yeah. one who's actually, worked with yeah. suicide prevention in mm-hmm. the past. Yep, and he's that's studied. his background. Mm-hmm. So it, 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 he, uh, him, and Jeremy were both tweeting out, you know, suicide prevention online help and stuff like that. So yes, if you do need help, there there is always hope. Please go and uh, look at that stuff because I've lost family members to suicide. So whenever mm. this happened, it kind of hit home with you know that kind of stuff. So yeah. I actually haven't had suicide touch my life in that way. Mm. And, you know, I'm thankful for that personally. So I don't know the depth of that sting and that pain like a lot of people, including yourself, do. Uh, All I can say is, you know, that I I hurt for you and I hurt for his family. And I hurt, you know, even though I don't know it to my core, I feel so awful that they're feeling it to their core right now. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah, totally. So... Yeah, it's been a rough. I mean, it's been a week of rough week of, of loss in that way, and it seems like it kind of happens in bunches like that sometimes. Yeah. So uh, next week, whenever we do the do we care, it's going to be a wrap up of Comic Con. Oh, okay, nice. Because I'll it's appreciate going on, that. That'll it help goes me. on right now, and it's going to be continuing on for the next couple of days. I didn't want to have you know partial news. Sure, no, totally. So yeah, absolutely get that. Well, uh, let's move on then to our review of Dunkirk. Where are we going? Dunkirk. I'm not going back. There's no hiding from this sun. We have a job to do. Dunkirk, directed by Christopher Nolan, takes place in 1940. Germany is advancing into France and has trapped Allied troops on the beaches of Dunkirk. Uh, Under air and ground cover from British and French forces, troops were slowly and methodically evacuated from the beach. It's kind of a look at that situation. Uh, Let's talk about it a little bit. We always like to start with, did you like it, love it, dislike it, hated it, or it was just okay? Andrew, you go first. Aaron, don't hate me. Yeah. I didn't love this movie. Okay. I didn't really like this movie. I just liked it. So it was just okay or at the bottom end of liked it? Just liked it. Okay. Not really liked it, didn't love it. And it hates I. It's a Christopher Nolan movie, and I know there are going to pe- be people out there who's like, "How can you not love everything this man does?" But well, this is interesting. You say that. So, are you expecting me to like scream to the heavens, "Loved it"? Like, is that what you're you're thinking is going to happen? Because you're apologizing to me. Yeah. This is why it's so good that you don't watch my reviews. I'm right there with you. Oh I, my god. <laughs> I have been I have been amazed because I do after I do my YouTube review. That's when I go and look at what other people have said. Yeah. Um, and I have been blown away by how rapturous people. People are praising this movie because really, yeah. I mean, I think it had uh, like a ninety-eight percent on Rotten Tomatoes, Ooh. and people are calling it the best war film of all time, no. the best Nolan movie of all time. And I'm just going, I don't know that that's the movie I saw. I will say, I get why they're saying that, but I think it has some really big flaws that that mean a lot to me that maybe don't mean a lot to them. Yeah, and uh, that's the only the only way I can kind of wrap my brain around. I think this is one that like the high minded critics are going to praise to high heavens, and then like the normies, <laughs> you know, like us, are going to be us. like, "But it's, it's not a great movie." Yeah, <laughs> you know. It's so good. let's talk. Let's it's... talk about it. Let's talk about what's good because there is a lot here that's not only good. There's a lot here that is great. Yeah. Do you want me to go ahead and start off? Yeah. Go ahead. Okay. Um, the film nails its delivery of giving off this air of hopelessness and mm-hmm. constant danger never once 
from the beginning of this movie to the end of this movie, do you think that these characters are safe? Right. They're very tense. Yeah. Very good. They could be just standing in line, just waiting for something, and you're like, something's going to happen. Something's going to happen. And then as soon as something does happen, you're like, well, something again is just right around the corner. <laughs> that's right. They're never safe. Yeah. No, that's true. The tone The tone is, this is what I've said, and I'll go ahead and jump off that to say this about the, the pro, uh, the pros of the movie. Technically, it's spectacular. The visuals yeah. in this are absolutely stunning that's what builds a lot of that tension what builds a lot of that tone that you're talking about uh the sound design is incredible i was gonna say that's the best thing about this movie is the sound design the sound of those stuka dive bombers flying in because oh man because you never hear it and then everybody starts looking up and then you can faintly hear it coming yeah and it just gets louder and louder it is one of the most terrifying sounds because I don't know if you knew this, those Stuka uh, German bombers, they actually put horns on the front of their planes ah. that actually makes that sound. To, it's a psychological warfare. So that, it's a horn that makes that sound. It's supposed wow. to terrify the troops. Yeah, that's that's interesting. I did not know that. And uh, and that, that I guess that makes a lot of sense. There's also, uh, throughout almost all of this movie, some... I don't know that I want to give this away. Maybe we'll talk about it in spoilers. But in the sound, there is particular use of certain sounds that build tension and build momentum mm-hmm. uh, through the entire movie. And I thought it was genius. And it's also genius in the fact that we're dealing with a movie, like a lot of Christopher Nolan movies, that plays around with time. You know, So it's yeah. just there's some really smart things done with the technical aspects of this movie. I also think the performances were really good. I feel like, you know... These are, are good actors doing good work. Um, we'll get into the negatives, and, and there are some big negatives that I think keep the performances from being great, but I think for what they're asked to do, they're yeah. doing a good job. Yeah. Does that make sense? Totally. Yeah. What other pros did, did you have? Is that it? That was it. Okay, I do want to talk about this. I mentioned it briefly. I like how Christopher Nolan creatively uses time. And I like what he did here. Now, there are some negative consequences to what he that does here. That was a here. negative for me, actually. Yeah, and I, and I totally... And it is for me, too, except that I like... I like the effort. Is that okay? Can I give yeah. points for effort? I, I like what he tried to do here. I just don't know that it totally succeeds. Yeah. Um, I, think it, I think it comes off as sloppy. Like, it wasn't fine-tuned, I guess is a better way to say it. If it was more finely tuned in the way that it was edited and put together... I would have appreciated it more, but the way it stands in this film, it makes it a little too confusing. Yep, I think I that agree. probably what they're, I hope that's not what they're wanting to do is get multiple views so you understand it more. I think that for people who only want to watch a movie once, you have to deliver for them. Yep. And this movie, for me, doesn't because it got really confusing because I'm like, okay, so when is this taking place? Yeah. When is this taking place? I I don't mind a movie not being linear. Right. I'm fine with that. It's just that... It's just it has to be understood. Exactly. Yeah. And I, I'm totally on the same page with you. What, what I had said was, I think Christopher Nolan knows exactly what's happening here and just doesn't realize he's not portraying it in a way that somebody who isn't as aware of the events as he is could be confused by it. Yeah. Um, and so I, I just I think it's a I think it's one of those things where he was too close to the material to realize he wasn't editing it in a clear way for an audience uh, in that way. Uh, the other positive I will say before we kind of dig into more negatives is I love this story. I love the story of Dunkirk. Like I, mm. I really do think there's something beautiful and poetic 
and interesting about this group of soldiers trapped on this beach and what people went through to make sure they could make it across the English Channel. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I think it's a powerful story, and he has that going for him uh, in the movie as yeah. well. Uh, my One of my negatives is that it is about the characters in this movie. Um, it's that I do feel terror and fear for these people as a whole. Mm-hmm. I don't feel terror and a sense of dread for a character particularly. Correct. Correct. Like, uh, there's a scene... The the film, we've said before, it's very sparing with its dialogue. Yes. And I know that's intentional because you're supposed... To, I think the movie's supposed to give off the unnamed heroes. You're not supposed to care about a single person. You're not Correct. Spo- you're supposed to care about everybody. Yeah, it's purpose. He's doing it purposeful. Yeah. I just think it's the wrong choice. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Because for me, I gotta have story. Like, I, I have to know these... Like, there is... These might as well be anonymous soldiers. There is no backstory. We don't know anything about them. We don't have reasons to hold on to to care about them other than they're human beings, which that should be enough. But when you're telling a story in a movie, like give me something to feel their loss if they die. Like, you know, if they if they end up not making it, I want, you know, I need something to hold on to 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 feel the emotional impact of that. And I didn't have that with any of these characters. Name one character's name. No, I can't. I can name one. George, the little kid on the boat. Okay. Other than that, I don't know a single person's name in this movie. And again, I think that's intentional. It I, is intentional. I but think I, he is purposefully taking a broad look at this story. I was thinking today, it may be the best, most brilliant, most technically achieved historical reenactment of all time. Yeah. But it is not a great movie. It is a great historical reenactment. Yeah. Which is different. That's not what I want to see when I go see a story. You know what I mean? Yeah, because that's what movies are. There's stories being portrayed. This is as close to a documentary you can get without actually having the cameras on the beach back then. Yeah, but I but I feel like it's such a waste, right? Because he he did so much with making this feel so real and making us feel like we're there, and yet at the same time we don't get to really feel the. We don't get to really put ourselves in their shoes because we don't know who their shoes are. Exactly. Yeah. So because yeah. for me, that's when I, why I go to watch movies for it's the immersive putting myself in somebody else's shoe and to live vicariously through them. Yeah. But I have to have something within a character that I can say, "That's me." I can now live vicariously through them. But I don't know enough about these characters for me to go, "Wait, which one? I'm going. Which one? Which one am I?" Yeah. Am I a spectator? If I'm a spectator, yeah. then it puts a barrier between me and the caring aspect of what's going on. Yeah. I don't know if that makes sense or not. No, it makes sense to me. I had the okay. exact same experience. Um, and I walk away from it. I just walk away from it going, oh, you know, I, and here's the thing. It stands in juxtaposition to the, how we have done too far the other way. Think of the movie. This is what Pearl I Pearl Harbor. Pearl Harbor. I tweeted, you know, right after the movie. It's the opposite of Pearl Harbor. Yeah. Because in Pearl Which Harbor. Is a, Big pro. <laughs> <laughs> it is when in many you- <laughs> ways, right? But I think it goes too far the other way, right? Where mm-hmm. Pearl Harbor takes the big event and just leaves it in the background and then wants you to focus on this relationship. Titanic does the same thing. Titanic is yeah. very similar in that way. And so we have over-romanticized the individual story to the detriment of telling the historical story. And I think I think what he do- what Nolan does here is the opposite. He, he over-tells the big story at the expense of the small story. Yeah, or I like the movie. Yeah, I like. The movie. I'd even say I really like the movie. Yeah. I think I gave it like a B plus. Like okay. I really did think it was a great movie. It's just it could have been transcendent. I don't know if I ever want to watch it again though. 
and this goes back to it, right? Like, why? What would be the reason to watch it again? Yeah, I mean, other than just, I guess the the ten, maybe trying to understand the timeline that, better. That can be the only reason I could see watching this movie again. People are uh, asking, well, what about Harry Styles? Harry Styles did fine. I mean, he's not any worse or better than anybody else on right. screen. Again, everybody on screen, I think, does what they're asked to do. Yeah. And it's just not what Andrew and I would have preferred exactly. in a movie-going experience. Man, people saying this is the best Nolan movie ever, good for them. I, I just don't get it. I don't. Everyone, It'll be interesting. I'm, I, I'm never going to tell anybody they're wrong for liking a movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting because I feel like War for the Planet of the Apes does more with character development and understanding character with CG apes <laughs> than this yeah. movie did, you know, the entire movie with actual human beings. So yeah. in yeah. an actual war, that was a true story, you know? <laughs> so yeah, it's, that's a little bit rough, man. It sounds like we totally agree on this one. Had almost I, identical experiences. I did not exp- I thought you were going to rag on me for not <laughs> loving this movie. No, again, I think this is one uh, that what I've seen from the, you know, some of the, you know, more artsy critics is cause it is, it's a piece of art. In many yeah. ways, you know what I mean, and and that's definitely going to click some buttons for a lot of people. So it reminded me in the sense of like you look at like Apocalypse Now or something like that. It's a war art film, mm-hmm. or a Thin Red Line is another good example. You know, that's a great example. I didn't like Thin Red Line either. You know, where it's an art piece in a war setting. Yeah, it's a beautiful movie. Man, is this a beautiful movie? Yeah, and especially that sound design for me again. Sound design is hands down the best part of this entire movie. Yeah, it's pretty incredible. But uh, yeah, uh, I just th- I'm a story person. I want I want to care about characters. I want to put myself in their shoes. I want to know why I care about them. And and you know, and this movie does not offer any of that purposefully. Again, let's just say this: yeah. not an accident. It's not like oh, oops, we left out the character development. I really believe this was Nolan's intention. And yeah. props for that. Uh, you know, yeah. but I just think I think they're going to be people coming away from this going i just that was interesting but i just don't care it's because i'm looking at my sift sort list right now and all of the top movies the best part about those movies are his characters yeah how he how him and his brother uh jonathan i know jonathan didn't work on this one i think christopher wrote and directed this one but the way that they create their characters and you care about their characters Mm, so much and that they totally don't do that in this one that's my one last thing nolan should stick to what he knows because what he knows, he is the best of all time at. I don't think I have one more. I think I covered everything I wanted to say. Cool. Um, it's unfortunate, right? And and I think I, I was looking at the live chat a little bit, too. And it's interesting because... Are they hating on us? <laughs> well, a little bit. But, yeah. but more saying, I agree with everything you're saying, except for I have a different perspective. In other words, yeah. and I think that's going to be common with this movie. I think everybody can agree on what Nolan was doing here. Our pros are their cons. Yeah, exactly. And I think some people will respect that in a different way and enjoy the experience in a different way than you and I did, which was to be like, I wanted more. I want, you know, I, I didn't come away caring about it enough. I need to care, you yeah. know, and I just didn't. So, yeah. which is rough when there's, you know, 400,000 people's lives on the line. I probably should care whether I, <laughs> whether I know who's waiting for home with them or not, but uh, you know, <laughs> and please don't think that us not absolutely loving this movie translates to us not caring about the sacrifices of the soldiers. Oh, I don't back. think anybody, I don't think anybody would do that. You don't know the internet, Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> it's, 
let me introduce you to the internet. <laughs> yes. And also for the fact that we don't absolutely love this movie does not mean we didn't like it. See, listen, I, I actually tweeted that today. This has been a year for that for me. Logan yeah. was the same way. A movie I really like, but everybody else was over the moon for. I Get, was over the moon for Get it. Out was another one that I really like, but everybody else was like, this is the greatest thing ever. And now Dunkirk. I just feel like this is this is the year of me giving great grades to movie and people thinking I hate them. <laughs> there was another movie. Oh, a uh, movie that I didn't like that you absolutely love was Beauty and the Beast. Yes, yes, that's true. Yeah, it, it's just a, it's an interesting year for movies. That's what it is. Yeah, which is good. I like interesting years. Yeah, I like interesting movies. So that's good stuff. All right, you want to go into the Sif sort? I am so excited. for This, this. is going to be fun. Yeah, this is going to be fun. So Sif sort. We're going to do Christopher Nolan movies. We have to agree on an official Sift Pop Christopher Nolan ranking. Are you going to type these up, or do you need me? To I've write got them right here, man. Okay, but I mean for the official list. Are you going to be typing up the? Official? I will be. I will be okay. changing them as we make them official. So I have my list here, and then I will, you know, cut and paste stuff around as okay. we make them official. We go from the bottom up. We're doing nine Christopher Nolan movies. We're not doing following, yeah, because uh, neither of us have seen it. Um, but we will do the other nine. Rank them from number nine to number one, and we have to agree. So let's start with number nine again. I like every single one of these movies. Just because it's ranked lower doesn't mean that we don't absolutely love it. Number nine, I have Insomnia. I think that's a good choice at number nine. Okay. Again, it's a good movie, and Robin yeah. Williams is great in it. I love the fact that it's a, it's not your, you know, it's not your. What am I trying to say? Particular? No, it's not your normal Robin Williams kind of. He's role. not his like manic comic kind of robin williams at all in this movie it's one hour photo robin williams <laughs> yeah that's exactly right i actually kind of got those two mixed up in my brain really a lot yeah because those are very similar robin williams performances yeah so um it's an interesting film it's one definitely worth watching i think yeah i love crime dramas and this is definitely an interesting one mm -hmm. uh, i never read the book which is a stephen king book in case people don't know that in the book i didn't is, know that actually a very different book the very the book is actually sci-fi in the book, he actually gets to sleep really easy. Yes. He doesn't have insomnia at all. Yeah. It's actually uh, called Somnia. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's called Sleepy Sleepy Time. Sleepy Sleepy Time. Uh, okay, so cool. you're okay with insomnia at number yeah, nine? Yeah, let's put insomnia at number nine. Lock it in. All right. Number eight, what do you have? Dark Knight Rises. Uh, I have that at seven. So, okay. okay. So right there, I have Batman Begins at seven. I have the two Batman movies okay. right there at seven and eight. At eight, I actually have Dunkirk. Yeah, my Dunkirk's near there for me as well. I'm okay um, with putting uh, the Dark Knight Rises at seven or at eight. At eight, yeah. Okay, I'm a f we can do that. That's fine. All right, lock in the Dark Knight Rises at eight again. One of uh, it's a fine movie. You yeah. know, finishes off his Dark Knight trilogy. I think it deals with some action issues. I don't know that he shoots the action in that movie very well, yeah. uh, and so there's you know some tension lost at a few different places. Plus, it's a huge letdown from. You know, The Dark Knight. I don't know what you're talking about, Aaron. <laughs> I've come for you, Gotham. You think darkness is your ally. <laughs> we didn't mention that, uh, that Tom Hardy basically plays Bane in Dunkirk as well. <laughs> 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 Might as well have been Bane. Yeah. yeah <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, okay, let's lock in Dark Knight Rises at number eight. Okay. Uh, then we can put uh, Dunkirk at number seven. I'm fine with that if you want to move it down. Okay. And number six, I have Batman Begins. And that's where I would have. I have Batman Begins. So I think Dunkirk's a better movie than Batman Begins. Okay. But I'm willing to move those around. They're pretty close for me. Okay. Number five, what do you have? 
Um, well, let's talk a little bit about Batman Begins okay, before yeah. we just kind of cruise started, on by it. It started everything, man. Yeah. Yeah. And it's such a really good movie because uh, I did not see the uh, the Ra's al Ghul slash Ra's al Ghul, however you want to say mm-hmm, it, the yeah. twist coming. Yeah, I didn't either. And it was, and I love the fact that uh, Killian Murphy, is that how you say his name? I, I believe it? so, yes. Yeah. Brilliant Scarecrow. Mm-hmm. He's the only character, I think, besides uh, Bruce Wayne who is in every single, he's in the all the whole trilogy. Yeah. I think he is. He's, he's, oh, and, he's and also, Alfred. <laughs> he's also in Dunkirk as well. He is in Dunkirk. Killian just loves working with uh, Christopher Nolan, Scarecrow, and for good reason. Scarecrow and Bane making an appearance in Dunkirk. <laughs> yeah. He what was, if we found out this was in the Batman universe? Whoa! <laughs> and that's a man. That, I just thought of something really dark that that Bane and Scarecrow are actually just shell shocked World War II survivors. That's right. Yeah, from the Battle of Dunkirk. That's yeah. how they turned. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but no, yeah. Um, I think it's really good, and it just sets up because we we just came off of. The Joel Schumacher Batman movies, right? Very, you know, goofy uh, and quirky. Yeah, yeah. And before Batman Begins, uh, he hadn't done too many movies where Christopher Nolan, I'm talking about, yeah. where you'd think like, oh, well, this guy can definitely do a Batman movie, right? But he so does. Yeah, like he nails Batman in a way I'd never thought because he made Batman real. Mm-hmm. Because if you look at the Batman universe which they're going now with this dceu is that there's a supernatural element to it everything in nolan's batman universe is grounded in reality yeah it's an extreme version of reality but it's not mystical and it's not supernatural right and that's what i loved about it yeah i i really remember feeling like oh okay this is how you can do batman in a different way yeah and uh i'm you know i'm excited that that's possibly going to happen again with matt reeves taking over the new Batman, mm-hmm. um, if he can really find his own voice and bring it to... That's why I wasn't as upset you know, about him ditching the Affleck script, because I want it to be his vision. I really do, because I think that's how you get the best films, is you let a director really make the film they want to make. Uh, so I'm, I'm interested to see if you know Batman can even have another new look at what that character can can be like on film. So, But uh, yeah, you're right. This This started a whole new idea of what superhero movies could be. So, absolutely. Uh, number five then, because we put Dunkirk at number six and we already kind of talked about that and our dissatisfaction with that a little bit, but again, still, you know, right in the middle of the Nolan pack. Yep. Uh, number five, I have Interstellar. Okay. All right. I have Memento. Uh, I have Memento a little bit higher. I have it at number three. Okay. And I have Interstellar at number four. So we've kind of got them both right in that area. What do you, I have, I'm will, I'm, I think I, I have number four as your number one. I, I believe I believe that Interstellar is a better movie than Memento, uh, especially upon multiple watch uh, of that movie. And a lot of that has to do with just he's working out just early director stuff in Memento, you know, just little stuff about editing. Conceptually, it's brilliant. Never seen. There's never been or ever will be a movie like Memento again. That's a big thing to say. I don't know if I'd agree with. I think somebody could figure something out, but it certainly locked him into this idea of being a creative like MC Escher is, you know, kind of the painter that paints yeah. you know, staircases that go both up and down. You know, that's which kind of there's the... a pretty good callback to in Inception. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, exactly. So I'm okay putting Memento above Interstellar because I have them close. If you want to put Interstellar at number five, um, but I think Memento no, should I probably. Sh- I think you're, man. I might go with you on that okay. one. Now I'm thinking about it. 
So at number five, we would have Memento, and number four, Interstellar. Correct. Okay. That yes, that well, would be correct. My number four was The Prestige, which I think is your number one. Yeah, I'm gonna fight for that to be higher for sure. Okay, so then my other two, I guess, for number three would well, be. Well, let's inter- not let's let's not run past Interstellar. We haven't really talked about it, you know, too much. We've got that at number four, right? I guess we should. Yeah. Yeah. Just a just a little bit about what people did and didn't like about that movie. That's one of those movies where, unlike Dunkirk, where you know I, I, something stuck and I couldn't get past it. Like Interstellar, I was able to get past any of the negatives and just fall in love with that movie. But negatives are you talking about? Like actually, like change, like the ending? Because yes, I know people like the don't time like... stuff and yeah. just in that that stuff. You know, you can't think about it too much, or it starts to fall apart. All that kind yeah. of stuff. I was able just to leave that kind of in its own space and just fall in love with the story of that movie. Yeah. Uh, in the way it's portrayed, McConaughey is it's so good, fabulous in that movie. Oh, he made me cry twice in that movie. Yeah. Like, cry hard yeah. twice in the movie. That scene, uh, everybody should have seen Interstellar by now. But the scene when they come back from the wave planet and twenty two mm-hmm. years had gone by, yeah, and he's just watching his kids grow up like in a montage, yeah, is one of the most heartbreaking oh. things ever. And I don't even have kids. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so inter- I mean, Interstellar is great, and yeah. um, man, I, I kind of just want to go watch it again. I do too. Oh, here's another thing: going back to Dunkirk, just real quick. Something that every single Nolan movie that's in my top has is a brilliant score, and a lot of that has to do with Hans Zimmer. Yeah, Dunkirk doesn't really have that, and I know that's intentional. Again, we talked about the intentional stuff in Dunkirk that people love that I kind of miss from old Nolan. And maybe that's just my issue is holding on to what Nolan that I love that mm-hmm. he just doesn't bring. And he's trying something new and people praise him for it. But at the same time, like, man, but he's so good at it. Yeah. Bring that Hans Zimmer score in. Get that boahs going that I absolutely there's a, love. There's a little bit of that in Dunkirk in the background. I, I, I liked the score in Dunkirk. I thought it was pretty good. I can't remember it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to need to give it a re-listen. But I, I do remember there was some of that building. And I think it adds to the tension. Okay. But, um... But yeah, I'm with you. I love the Hans Zimmer scores of all these movies. Uh, okay, how so, high are you willing to go with Prestige since you had it at number four? Like, what are you willing to put below uh, it? I mean, it was my number one. You're correct about yeah. that. I think it's I would a, almost be, a perfect film. Right, right now, I guess we're we're fighting for my number one and your number one. So. Which, is, which is your number one, Inception or Dark Knight? The Dark Knight. Okay, so you've got Dark Knight at number I'm one. I'm okay with... Okay, so... I think I'd be I'd be okay with putting Inception at number three, and then we can discuss which one would be number one. I'm okay with that. Yeah, I've got Inception. We both got Inception at number two in our respective oh, okay. list, right? Yeah, right? I have it at yeah, number two. Yeah. Let's go ahead and put Inception at number three. Okay. Let's uh, talk about it then. Yeah, absolutely. Um, in <laughs> this this movie, man. <laughs> I just love the look on your face because you just looked exhausted. I, just, I did. I just went through the entire movie <laughs> in my brain, to, you know, just... The way he plays, the way he plays with time, and this is another reason Dunkirk maybe didn't work perfectly for me because it's almost the same magic trick he, he pulls so much better in Inception, right? It's it's the idea of with I don't want to spoil it again. I don't necessarily want to talk about it totally until spoilers. But he deals with time in a way that you're dealing with processing time differently at different scenes. Is that fair to say? Yeah. So he already pulled that trick brilliantly with Inception, and to to watch him. Do the, I guess he pulled the exact same trick with Interstellar, except actually based it on like the science of you know gravity and gravitational pulls and mm-hmm. those kind of things. But the idea of you know 
going down a level and each going down a level and then wondering were we always in a dream state like right from the very beginning and just yeah. kind of the way it plays with your mind and man he's so good at that stuff and then beyond that you've just got a great fun cool story with amazing characters that you want to see what's going to happen incredibly unique and the best thing about inception is it has sparked so many fan theories and the fan theories are just as entertaining as the movie itself and the fact that this was the movie that introduced me to Tom Hardy, mm-hmm. and I think it did for a lot of people. I know he did Bronson, but I hadn't seen Bronson until after this. So I was like, man, this guy's great. i got to go back and watch all the things that he did. And yeah. now he's like one of the biggest stars in Hollywood. Yeah. Um, this first time I'd ever seen, uh, is it the only time that uh, DiCaprio's worked with Nolan? Uh, yeah, I think so. Think? Okay, yeah. Man, those two were made for each other. They yeah. really were. I, I absolutely adore Inception. You say you're going to watch Interstellar later? I'm going to watch Inception later. Yeah, I may just watch them all. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You may not see me for a week. I may just fall into a Nolan hole. Yeah. All right. Uh, I'm curious where you had The Dark Knight. At number three? I had it at number three, yeah. Okay. Uh, let's discuss both, and then we can decide which one's number one. Sure. Absolutely. I, I can honestly see both of them. Honestly, I had The Dark Knight at number one, but I can honestly see both of them being number one. I think The Dark Knight for me is obviously a phenomenal film mm-hmm. uh, that rides for me so high on the list a lot because of Heath Ledger's performance. You know, that Joker was something so definitive, so visceral, you know, something we hadn't seen in a comic book movie before, a villain that captivating and so unexpected. People forget who Heath Ledger was before that movie. Yeah, he's the... He was the rom-com guy. Right. Like, you know, I mean, he did do Brokeback Mountain, I think, the year before. Well, sure, but even that performance is, you know, based in a more, you don't, know... Don't call Brokeback Mountain a rom-com. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to emphasize the rom part. It's a rom, but it's not a comedy. <laughs> um, but, but it was more, uh, you know, I was going to say, you know, had a a more of a personable motif to it. So even his char- character in that is, you know, likable in that way. To see him be completely vile in the way that he was uh, and just to capture it so amazingly. Like that's when I think of the dark Knight. that's what I think of. I think of that Joker performance Um, and beyond that, everything, everything to me that I like about that movie stems from interaction with that performance. And beyond that, I don't see a lot of the other things. So remind me of those things. So you're totally right. This movie is 100% Heath Ledger Joker. Mm -hmm. That is going to, it's one of, not even joking, it's one of the greatest performances. <laughs> Not even joking, I guess. Ah, <laughs> un- unintentional. It is one of the greatest performances. It will go down in history as one of the greatest performances. Yes. But do not shy away from the other phenomenal performances in that movie. Aaron Eckhart as Harvey Dent. He's really good. He's so good. No, yes, he's I, th- really good. I don't think he gets enough credit for how good he okay. was in that movie. His transition from being the savior of Gotham to one of its most infamous crime uh, villains like you get I, I so believed every single part of that transition yes. and the thing I love about this movie is in an interview and I know this isn't a part of the movie sure no but, that's fine uh, it was a Christian Bale interview he wanted to do a more dark and gritty Batman he wanted to be like as as the movies progress like throughout linearly he wanted Batman to become more and more just violent but he said, after Heath Ledger gave his performance, I couldn't mm. because it totally changed the landscape because he was expecting uh, along the lines of what Jack Nicholson did. Sure, yeah. And then whenever he came in and did what he did, he's like, well, I can't do it now yeah. because you can't have a dark and violent 
Batman with a Joker like this. Yeah. They wouldn't mix well together. So seeing you can I actually saw that conflict and I also saw the conflict of Bruce Wayne going how can I stop this monster without, without becoming him? Without becoming him. And yeah. that's the whole part of the movie. That is, is yeah, that's live the whole long enough the movie. to see yourself become the villain. Right. Um and there's so many memorable scenes like the the fight choreography is one of the things that I don't think Nolan understands because it's a lot of shaky quick cuts. Yeah. Which is unfortunate because I think Batman would really lend itself to being a really cool like John Wick style of fighting. Yes. Um the the bank heist at the beginning of this movie. There's the the semi truck fight. Right. The every single uh scene where the Joker is hatching a plot is one of the coolest things. Yeah. And then moving on to the prestige now. Yeah, just just to address what you said, I, I totally agree with you. There's so many memorable scenes. And I feel like the only thing the only thing that's missing in this movie is to tighten up that story to where everything impacts uh, the story in a greater way. Like, the thing I see with Prestige, and we can move into it now, is everything in this movie from second one to second none uh, at the end is telling the story in a in a tight, particular way to lead you to the magic trick. So it is a, a movie about magic tricks and how magic tricks work, mm-hmm. and at the same time a movie that is doing a magic trick on you. And yeah. that meta-narrative blew my mind like in every consecutive time i've watched it it's just it's fabulous to watch his sleight of hand in a movie about sleight of hand absolutely and yeah and it's that's what gets me about the prestige like overall like if i had to go this is the best thing why i love this movie more than the others my favorite thing about the prestige is that it's a period piece obviously Mm -hmm. and so the tricks that they're doing to us and i've said this before on this podcast the tricks that they do in this movie seem i don't want to say amateur but at the same time, back in the day, those tricks are otherworldly mind-blowing. And that they were able to portray that mm-hmm. and make me believe that those tricks were mind-blowing right. at the same time. Right. The, it's a ball bouncing from one door to another, not to give too much away. Right, yeah. But that sounds so simple. But back in the day, you're thinking, oh, that's the greatest. And they even say, Hugh Jackman's famous line in the movie, it was the greatest trick I've ever seen. Yeah. And you think... It is the greatest trick of he's ever seen, and <laughs> you, you believe it now. And I've said this before, it is the first movie that ever made me immediately buy a ticket to go and watch a second time. Yeah. Because of the twist of that movie. Of the many twists of that the movie. The many <laughs> twists of that movie. And David Bowie was great as Tesla. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I was, it was weird, because earlier we were talking about Andy Serkis, and I was saying, man, Andy Serkis should do a movie with Christopher Nolan. And then I just realized he, he did. Has, he did. Yeah. He was in the prestige. <laughs> he yeah. was. So thanks, Andrew's brain. You're, you were <laughs> lagging on that one. But uh, yeah, he was in the prestige as a, a Tesla's uh, assistant. Mm-hmm. And man, I don't, I think that uh, Hugh Jackman's incredible in it. Who do you like more performance wise? Baylor Jackman? Yeah. I think I like uh, Michael Caine's performance. <laughs> I, love I use him as in that a movie. double. I use as a double. <laughs> it's just, I love that performance. Uh, there's a brutality in in Caine's perspective of the world, uh, which I think is is genius to what's going on in that movie, and comes back later towards the end as we you know finish up and understand what's truly going on in this world uh, between Jackman and Bale. I slightly like Bale's performance better. 
That's interesting. I like Hugh Jackman's a little I, bit they're more. They're so close for me, but I, I just, there's something really mischievous about Bale's performance that lays right under the surface that is really cool, and there's something very slightly arrogant under Jackman's performance that lays mm-hmm. under the surface, and both of them are doing such a great job at defining those things, but at the same time not being defined by those things. Yeah. It's just, it's really, it's beautiful work on both their parts. Again, a non-linear movie. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I just, I don't know if I just realized this or I'm just remembering it now. We A lot of people think about how Hugh Jackman and Christian Bale are at odds with each other and that they're trying to one-up each other. I think, I think a case could be made that Michael Caine and David Bowie are at odds with each other yes. unknowingly. Yes. They don't know that they're competing against each other. Right. But they are. Yeah. It's in, Well, and it, and it goes to, there's stuff in there that mirrors that with Tesla in general, too, with him being smarter than... Um, Edison. Edison. Who is, who he's running away from in this movie. Right, yeah. So I, I just, I, again, I love all the interplay of all that stuff, how, you know, poetic and metaphorical it is. The meta narrative, all that stuff. That's the you know that's the reason why I would have it at number one. Yeah. So where do we arrive, Andrew? Uh, Who's man. gonna give up the fight? I might. I might give up the fight. Yeah, I think that's. I just think that's right. I think the Prestige is better than the Dark Knight. I will always have the Dark Knight as the greatest what, comic book movie of all time. Right. And here's what you can say. And I think actually I saw this in the chat. Somebody said I actually like the Dark Knight better, but the Prestige may be a better movie. If that makes sense. Yeah. Like it's more of like the Dark Knight is your favorite. But if we come to this official ranking and we put the prestige first, can you be happy with that? I can't think of anything I don't like about the prestige. I can think of one or maybe one minor flaw in the Dark Knight. Yeah. Yeah, I'll give up. I'll concede. All right, there it is. Lock it in. Dark Knight at number two, Prestige at number one. Would you mind reading off the whole list? Nolan, you have been sift sorted. I will say this. Five of those nine movies are in my top 100 movies of all time. Starting with Interstellar, The Prestige, Memento, Inception, and The Dark Knight. Wow. I I have to make those last few changes here on the list. Here's the official list. Number nine, Insomnia. Number eight, The Dark Knight Rises. Number seven, Dunkirk. Number six, Batman Begins. Number five, Memento. Number four, Interstellar. Number three, Inception. Number two, The Dark Knight. And number one, The Prestige. Well done, Mr. Andrew. Well done. It's a good list. It's a really good list. It's a great list. You imagine making nine movies that good? (laughs) I mean, Insomnia is a great movie. I can't imagine. I can't even imagine making one of those movies that good. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a good list. Well done, Christopher Nolan. He uh, could have made Memento and retired. <laughs> right. And like, hey, I made an amazing movie, guys. Try and top I'm that. Out. I'm out. Before we get on to our Sift Quest, I uh, want to remind you, you can support what goes on here at Sift Pump by supporting the Studio DNA Podcast Network. Fun stuff going on on the network. Uh, New Music Digest came back. It's now a Wednesday show that you can listen to live or subscribe to. Just search for New Music Digest in your podcast player. By the way, if you search for Studio DNA in your podcast player, you should see all the Studio DNA podcasts. So it's a nice way to find them if you want to do it that way. Also, the month of August is Studio DNA Gives Back Month. We are donating 100% of all support for the month of August to a good cause. We're going to announce that cause here shortly uh, as we head up to the month of August. So, On the podcast or shortly, like in the future? In the future, okay. here in the, in the next week or so. Okay, I was confused there for a second. I was like, uh, I just wanted to make sure. Yeah. 
So here's the thing. If you already support the network, uh, every dollar you give for your August support is already going towards that good cause. If you want to give more, simply up your pledge for August. And then if you want to bring it back down for September, that's fine. We're going to set a goal for what to raise for this month. And there will be many people, I'm sure, who will say, you know what? For August, I'm going to give $50 or I'm going to give $100 or whatever. And then you can just bring that back down for September. Uh, so we're going to be doing that all August month long on all Studio DNA podcasts, including Sif Pop, and we look forward to you being a part of that. Big thank you to Sean, who is a new donor at $5 a month. Thank you, Sean. And Foster, a new donor at $3 a month. Thank you, Foster, for supporting D, uh, Studio DNA. Some really fun perks there for your support. Go check it out at patreon.com slash studio DNA. All right, on to the Sift Quest, Andrew. Uh, this one comes from Twitter, from Frank Kemp, a good friend on Twitter. And he had tweeted me about some things, and I asked him if we could use it as a Sift Quest. Uh, Sift Quest, of course, is where we go on a quest from you. It can be a question you have, a topic you want us to discuss, a debate you want us to settle. Just send it to feedback at siftpop.com or tweet at us. Uh, Frank on Twitter says, I caught the big sick last night and loved it. It takes a lot for a movie to come close to getting a reaction out of me. I don't know if it was because I was the only one in the theater, but having so many experiences in hospitals, losing people and almost losing my wife and two of my daughters in the hospital, losing my sister, making the hard decisions, I cried easily 10 times during the movie. What's one of your most personal movie-going experiences? And I think we've all kind of been there when a movie kind of cuts through just the storytelling into your own life and hits you in that way. Uh, and I can imagine having gone through everything that Frank's gone through to see a movie like The Big Sick, you know, would do that. What's one for you, Andrew? Something that you took very personally when you watched it? I can't think of one. Honestly, I think the like to that extreme, like where I'm like, sure. oh, I've... Uh, well, even maybe on a lesser level. But what I'm saying is like, I can't think of a movie that I've seen where I'm like, oh man, this is me. I think the closest I can come to, and this is as, it's pretty, a pretty good stretch. Yeah. Um, it's a movie called Hachi. It's, okay. uh, it's, I just lost my dog uh, about a year ago today, mm. almost. So it's been about a year. And Hachi is a dog, a super sad dog movie. Watching that movie brought back all those emotions of losing my dog, which was probably the hardest moment of my entire life. I think that's a great example. And I know a lot of people deal with that. There are a lot of those pet loss movies for a reason, because that is something that a lot of us has, have gone yeah. through. Our pets don't live as long as we do, yeah. you know? So, And it's, it's actually kind of different than a pet loss movie, but it reminded me of the loss sure. is what it did. So I don't, it's, it's a, not a very well known movie, but it's a very, very sad movie. Absolutely. Uh, I can go a couple different directions with this. I've talked about, most of these films I'm going to mention before, if we go uh, faith-wise, like based on you know my beliefs and my faith, Passion of the Christ was very personal to me. To to see the Jesus story like that brutal and that realistic and authentic to what it probably was like, uh, obviously really impacted me mm-hmm. uh, because of what I believe about that person and what that person means to me. Faith-wise, also interestingly enough, M Night Shyamalan's The Village was an interesting movie that was oh. very personal to me because. Coming from a faith background, you deal with a lot of judgmentalism, you deal with a lot of tribalism, where everybody outside of our tribe is evil or doing bad or whatever. And in that movie, she finally escapes from her tribe. And again, I don't mind giving this away. It's been, it's been a while. But she meets people outside of her own group, and they're not awful monsters. They're like really nice people. And it's just a reminder that you don't you don't win by demonizing people who aren't like you. You know yeah. what I mean? 
And I think that's really important, especially for people of faith, to remember that you cannot demonize people who don't believe the same way you do uh, because it, it's false. We're all just human beings. You know, we're all just find, you know, finding truth and trying to figure this thing out. And uh, that was very personal to me as well. If you go beyond faith, fatherhood, uh, Finding Nemo was very personal. Uh, yeah. I had young kids at that time going through this whole thing of independence when do you let them explore independence? When do you hold on tight? So that, you know, I cried deeply during Finding Nemo, uh, you know, because I had kids right about that age. Uh, so fatherhood obviously is going to be a big one for me. And then on a lesser emotional level, sports sometimes, especially basketball movies, because I played a lot of basketball growing up, had a scholarship to play in college. Uh, and uh, Hoosiers was kind of that for me growing up. I was just like, I'm there. Like, it was all about me. You know what I mean? Like, so... So they're kind of different areas of life that I find very personal, you know, when I watch some of these movies. So I guess I just haven't lived that interesting of a life that anybody <laughs> would make a movie about it. So you're that's just waiting on, for the podcasting movie. That's on me. That's not on anybody. <laughs> how has nobody made a good like YouTube slash podcasting movie yet? Like how how has nobody made like the the digital star movie? I guess Kevin Smith did a little bit. Tried to make some of that with yeah. some of the stuff that he's done. But. I found I found the movie Scott Pilgrim vs. the World very personal. There you it, go. It reminded me of the time <laughs> I had to fight my new girlfriend's exes. That's right. Yeah. Very nicely done. Uh, there you go, Frank. Uh, thank you so much for allowing us to jump off of your very personal story and kind of tell our own. I wish I would have had a better answer, but I just can't. I thought your answer was great. No, and I think your answer is one that a lot of people can identify with. So, no, I, I wouldn't sell your answer short on that one. Uh, if you'd like to get your Sift Quest in, you can tweet at us. Uh, I'm at Aaron Dicer. Uh, Andrew is at Flick Freaks. Uh, you can also email us feedback at SiftPop.com. Uh, that works as well. All right, before we finish out this podcast, of course, we got to do a little bit of buried treasure, Andrew. Mm. What's that one thing in pop culture that you want to make sure people know about? You want me to go first? Yeah, go for it. I'm going to let you decide, comic book or video game? Ooh. Let's go with comic book, because I think that happens less, and you can save video game for another time. All right. Funny enough, they're both based on the same property. Oh, okay. <laughs> the comic books is call, are called Fables. And uh, the video game is called The Wolf Among Us. Is the author called Aesop? <laughs> no. <laughs> Funny enough, though, um, what it is, it's the pr premise of this is all the grim fairy tale characters, like before they were, uh, you know, taken over by Disney, like Beauty and the Beast mm -hmm. and the Big Bad Wolf and stuff, they had to leave their mystical world and come live in our world. Uh, so now they're all, like, living in New York now. Except they can't bring anything with them. So, like, if you were, say, Snow White, or uh, Cinderella is a better example. I don't know if that she's in there or not. But, you know, a Disney princess, you know. They can't bring any of their wealth with them. So now they're all living in the slums. Mm. And they all have glams over them so they look human. And if they can't uh, afford a glam, then they have to go live in what's called the farm. Which is a just really ominous place. Okay. And your main character in this is Bigsby. He's the big bad wolf. And he is now a detective, making sure that all the people in this fairy tale world are behaving and not causing trouble. Yeah. The game is called The Wolf Among Us. It's one of the best, uh, like, uh, you, you know, telltale games. Yeah. It, it's a telltale game. Okay. And it's so much fun. These are definitely not kid friendly. Okay. Because it's dealing with them as they were told by the Grimm's. Mm -hmm. And if you don't know, the Grimm's version of a lot yeah, of these stories grotesque. are pretty grotesque. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, I highly recommend it. 
super fun if you don't have the time to you know read all like i think 150 comics the video game is broken up into episodes you can just play a two-hour episode take a break play another two-hour episodes a couple days later or something a lot of fun very cool very cool so when you ask which one you were going to talk about both anyway either way <laughs> but i but i would the one i'm going to recommend is the comic books because there there's a go. lot more um there's a lot more uh depth and there's a lot more stories being told in the comic books yeah. Whereas the video game is more centralized on one story. Very nice. Um, I, I want to mention before I get to my buried treasure, some really great comments going on in the live chat about personal movies. Do okay. you, mind if I, you mind if I just mention please, a couple of those? Please, um, A Monster Calls, which is a very personal movie. Uh, the Anxiety plus the Death plus the Imagination uh, says hits him really hard. Uh uh, Isaac said the fighter and warrior anything with brothers that's another big one you know like if you've had a brother I don't and, have brothers man and yeah that's definitely but I watched the UFC <laughs> <laughs> uh, Logan is mentioned from this year Logan hit home for me because of the family relationships in that movie are similar to mine they continue yeah when she calls him daddy for the first time I had to cover my mouth so people couldn't hear my sobs oh. such a powerful film uh, that's a great call um, so yeah, great, great comments in the live chat. wanted to bring those to your attention before we kind of close out here. Yeah. As far as my buried treasure goes, I'm finally going to talk about dear white people. Um, I finally got a chance to get all the way through that, uh, a couple weeks ago, actually. And I've been kind of processing my thoughts because I didn't know what I wanted to say about it other than to say you should watch it. And I think at the end of the day, that's what I want to say about dear white people, of course, deals with, you know, racism, um, the group of black students at a black, uh, in a black section of a, of a college and kind of what they're dealing with. And for me to talk about dear white people, I think all I, all I want to say is watch it, listen, make it part of yourself, understand the story. It's not one I think I'll ever really quote unquote review because it's not my story. I just want to listen to it and I want to be informed by it and I want to take that perspective into my world and and better my understanding of worlds that I haven't lived in, that I haven't existed in. Uh, and I think that's why it's so valuable in that way. Nice. Yeah. I, did you see it? Haven't watched it yet. I would, I just highly recommend just watch it, listen to it, make that perspective part of your, your worldview, you know, to understand. I've wanted to, it's just time. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Time. I, I hear you. Again, there's yeah. so much going on yep. in in the world of culture right now. Well, there we go. We did it, Andrew. Huzzah! A podcast happened. What is that? Where did that come from? <sighs> it was a podcast. It was here and now it's gone. Thanks so much for joining us today for Sif Pop. It is part of the Studio DNA Podcast Network. You can find out more about other live and later shows on the network by following the feed at Mixler.com slash Studio DNA. That's M-I-X-L-R dot com slash Studio DNA. Didn't have a guru stop by today, but Andrew, what's something you want to plug right now? Uh, we're trying to cover as much coming out of Comic-Con as we can right now on uh, Flick Freaks. So if you head over to YouTube.com forward slash Flick Freaks, we just hit 45,000 subscribers. So thank you to everybody out there for making that possible. You nice. rock. Um, yeah, uh, continue to put out Let's Plays, uh, reviews, reactions. Uh, we post uh, the uh, Sith Pop over there on Flick Freaks a couple days later. Uh, yeah. We're just trying to keep up with stuff. I think I would pro promote pretty much the same thing. Go check out my YouTube. It's your movie friend. Uh, give a sub that way. I'd appreciate it. Uh, I have started actually going to some press screenings, even though they're uh, quite a distance away. And so I'm getting my reviews out even earlier uh, so that you can check out those reviews before you know the movie opens, those kind of things. So I'm enjoying doing that. I would also recommend uh, going and if you are able to support Studio DNA, 
Uh, we do some really fun stuff on the pre-show for this that is only available to those Studio DNA supporters, including this week we reviewed Valerian. Yep. So and I don't know if we talked about that during the podcast, but we actually did a review of Valerian, uh, the the city of a thousand planets. No, wait, the planet of a thousand cities? One <laughs> city of, of a thousand planets. <laughs> but you can check out that review as part of the pre-show if you are a supporter, again, at Studio DNA uh, Patreon. So that's patreon.com slash Studio DNA. Huge thanks, by the way, to everybody who is supporting their support starts at $3 a month. Comes with some pretty fun perks. There are a lot of ways to connect with the podcast. You can do it at SoundCloud. You can tweet at us, uh, iTunes comments and ratings, uh, or you can email us at feedback at sifpop.com. And finally, if you're having a good time, your movie-loving friends will probably like this podcast too, so make sure you let them know about it and that listening is much easier than traversing the English Channel during the war. Spoiler chat for this week's movie should be up next in your podcast feed, and we will see you back next week for Atomic Blonde and maybe the Emoji Movie. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.